Hello. Bonjour. Aloha. Swatika. Uh, buenos dias, senor. Senorita. Okay. Hi, welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and I am waking up to a beautiful day in Colorado. So excited to get outside and play for a little bit, maybe set up a slack line or go climbing. Yes, so ready for that. But when this podcast airs, I will be in Israel. So um, I really hope you are following along my Instagram because I know I'm going to be posting all sorts of things about my Israeli trip. And I would love to see you over there if you want to see what I'm up to doing some acrobatics at the Dead Sea and seeing all the holy sites. I'm so excited. Okay, today's episode is with Annabelle Blythe. She is a transformational poet and life coach from Toronto, Canada. She inspires men and women around the world to access their future potential in the present moment through embodying their most authentic expression. Her words offer up a new way of being where we all embrace the different parts of our lived experience, no matter how light or how dark. Don't you love how sometimes we have this one topic on the podcast that continuously pops up again, again, and again? This light, shadow, and dark shadow. This theme is so present. And of course, another very present thing that we talk about on this show, especially over the past year, has been relationships. I am personally fascinated by relationships. What makes them tick? What makes them pull apart? What makes them real and vulnerable and authentic? And how we can change the relationship dynamics that we have today versus what we saw with our parents or what we saw with our grandparents. And we definitely go into this today. Annabelle is just a beautiful soul, and she really is a transformational poet. And you can tell in the way that she speaks that she writes very similarly. She's a very authentic, slightly old soul. And I love that about her. And I just know you're going to fall in love with her, too. So before we head on over there, the show sponsor today is one of my favorites. It's Audible. If you love to read, but you have only so much time and you want to learn how to do things as you read, well, then what better way to do it than listen to an audiobook? If you want to get a free audiobook as you get started with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings. You'll get 30 days for free and one free audiobook. Currently, I am reading Codependency No More. I am reading The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda by Sahara Rose because I'm having her on soon. And I just got this book called Broken Grace. No idea if it's going to be good, so maybe I shouldn't be bringing that up. But I don't know. If you need some book suggestions, those are what's on my reading list right now. And as always, we have one more thing to mention, and that is the review of the week. And this comes from Nicola. And they say Maddie rocks with five stars. As a podcast host, podcast guest, influencer, and human being, Maddie is the whole package. Aw. Would highly recommend you get involved with her in any capacity you can. Wow. That is like so sweet. Thank you. I am glowing over that. I hadn't read that before now. So thank you so much for these sweet words. I'm so grateful 
that you feel this way <laughs> means a lot to me. So um, if you want to support the show and you want to do it in a really easy way, you can just go head on over to iTunes and leave a review or send your favorite episode to a friend. That is a great way to spread the word of the show. All right, that's all we have to share today. Let's go head on over and speak with Annabelle. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. All right, so by now, Annabelle, my audience has a little bit of insight into your story and they feel a little bit more familiar with you. And I just want to share that I'm really looking forward to slowing down and getting to know your poetic minds a little bit better. So with that said, welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And you said right now you're in Costa Rica. So how is that going for you? It is beautiful here. It's such a special place. You really feel like you're kind of on another planet. (laughs) Like time just sort of moves differently here. Everything is really slow like everything at a restaurant that should take maybe like 15 minutes 20 minutes will take an hour (laughs) we call everything um like tico time the locals are called ticos here so when someone's like late or whatever you're just like oh they're on tico time (laughs) so everything is just at a bit of a different pace here um but yeah it's a really beautiful escape for a little while to kind of get out of living in a city, which I normally do, um, and just being kind of immersed in nature and waking up with the sun and spending lots of time in the ocean, starting to rain, so everything's getting really green and lush and jungly, and yeah, it's pretty wild. Oh my gosh, I feel like everyone (laughs) right now probably has some some Costa Rica envy. Like we're happy for you, but we're also kind of upset we're not there. Because <laughs> that sounds dreamy. I've never been to Costa Rica. You come down. But oh, I've, I've always go. wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, it's really special. I kind of I went for the first time. I came for the first time in uh, 2016, and it had always been on my list. But I was kind of like, oh, everyone goes to Costa Rica. Like it almost felt like like a cliche to come here, <laughs> because everyone I know went like on like family vacations or something when they were younger. Um, so I kind of avoided it. Because I thought it would just be too, like, overdone in a way. Um, but there are a lot of really beautiful, pretty untouched spots still. And some really sweet little, like, surf towns and just so much nature. It's so worth it. And you're just there for 
some yin time, some downtime. Yeah. Just like yeah. a vacation. No. Yeah. Okay. No, like retreat yeah. or anything like that. No, I just mm. came here because I needed a little bit of a rest. Oh, I love um, that. I needed to hit the reset button a little bit. So, yeah, I took a little bit of time off, which I don't really do. <laughs> My work is kind of just an extension of me. So yeah. I find I, I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, wow, I haven't really taken time off in like two years um, because I love what I do so much. Mm. So it's just natural that I do a bit of it every day. It doesn't feel like I really work that much even though I do um so it was nice just to sort of hit pause and come down here and spend a lot of time outside and um just really playing I really kind of felt more connected to my sense of play since being down here which it's, is awesome yeah it's really interesting what you're sharing because I I'm the same way where I've been doing this for years now and mm -hmm. I don't really know if I've ever taken a this, this is vacation. Like even right. like, so I was just in Canada and that's where you're from, but I was in Vancouver and nice. I don't know. My friends were like, Oh cool. You're coming to have vacation. Like I wasn't vacationing. I was still working. I was just working in a yeah. different location. So that is yeah. the, that's, I guess like one of the shadow sides to having an online business is that sometimes okay. you don't know how to not take the business with you because it is okay. online and it can go everywhere. So yeah. good for you for making this decision to close your laptop. And I mean, we're doing a podcast right now, which is like kind of work, but it's not really, yeah. it's play, yeah, it's, it's, it's conversation, it's connecting, right? It's a part of that, um, that yin energy of community. So I think podcasting is different, totally. but but that's amazing. That's just, really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so refreshing. Um, and I've been able to kind of go back into like, I'm sort of starting to dip my toes a little bit back into work. Um, and I feel like I have such a fresh energy and perspective. It's mm -hmm. so important. I mean, I, I talk to people about this all the time. I'm always kind of preaching on how important it is to rest and live your life. And, um, I'm I'm so passionate about my work, but I don't identify with the whole like workaholic thing. Like I don't really have a problem shutting my laptop, but it's like at some point I'm on my laptop every day. So to totally take like weeks off has felt completely different, even though when I'm on, it's not like I'm on like right. all day every day, yeah. you know what I mean? But just to totally disconnect. And I mean, here it's like, I didn't, I didn't get a local SIM card, so I'm not like taking my phone everywhere and I'm only really connected when I'm on Wi-Fi. So we'll go hours and hours without looking at a screen and it's just so needed. I think everyone should do this more often than they think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> when this podcast airs, I will be in Israel and that's my plan is nice. for two weeks. I am bringing my laptop just for like a little bit of email maintenance because I don't want to mm -hmm. feel overwhelmed when I get home, but totally. nothing more than that. Just like blissed out acro yoga in Israel, partying and doing awesome fun tricks in the Dead Sea. Like that's Amazing. where I'm going to, yeah. I just keep envisioning being an acrobat in the Dead Sea. Like I just keep thinking. About <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for that. Um, yeah, so when I say partying, I actually mean like being upside down doing handstands. That's my version of partying. But um, yeah, so anyways, I want to go into your journey and into your story. And I want to hear how you became a poet and a speaker and an author and um, this amazing coach that you are today. 
what are some of the pivotal moments that led up to this chapter in your life? Mm, um, it's been quite the quite the journey. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it really has been something that's been building ever since I was little. Um, I've always loved to write. Writing has kind of always been my connection with myself and with the world. When I was a little kid, I was really, really shy. Um, like when I was like a tween, like 12 years old, 13 years old, like just kind of starting to become a person, really. I was like painfully shy. And I always found writing to be a sort of outlet. So that was kind of always with me. And it was always something that I loved and turned back to. But then it was also something that I was completely removed from when I was a teenager. And I started to kind of go into a really darker uh, phase of my life, which I think is is not special or unique. I think it's pretty common that most people have a sort of really dark period in their teenage years. It's a really like confusing, crazy hormonal time. Um, but I think uh, for various reasons and in various ways, I kind of was pulled away from myself as I grew up. And when I was 17, 18, I went to this yoga retreat course month long, um, looking back slightly culty <laughs> in Thailand. And I was really in a dark place. I was completely disconnected from myself. I was completely disconnected from the world. Um, I had hardly any friends, hardly anyone to turn to. I was deeply unhappy and Someone at that retreat, it was a teacher at that retreat, really saw me and saw my unhappiness. And it was the first time someone in my life like actually sat down in front of me and asked me why I was unhappy uh, and why I was so sad. And for me, that was kind of um, that moment for some reason really triggered what people refer to as their awakening and things started to sort of reorganize in my life because I recognized how miserable and unhappy I really was. And I started seeking ways to pull myself out of my own sort of self-created and circumstantial misery that was brought on by this sort of dark period of my life. So I went really deep into yoga and meditation and university. I studied psychology and philosophy and I was kind of searching, searching, searching in all these different places. I started to um, seek out therapy and life coaching and different mentorship. And for years, I just felt like I was um, just this giant sponge. And I was looking to anyone who seemed to be at all happy <laughs> and just wondering like, how do I get there? And I was just soaking up all this knowledge and all this wisdom. And ultimately I would always kind of hit this wall with whatever it was, whether it was yoga or meditation or um, coaching. And, and really that wall was just myself and my own wisdom and all of these different practices, all these different teachers, all these different things really just led me back to, 
the reality that the answers are always inside and I was kind of the one that I was looking for. So yeah, that's kind of a, it's kind of a, a loopy way to answer your question, but I went through this really dark time searching for answers everywhere, led me back to myself, which naturally led me back to my expression of art that has been with me since I was a little kid and naturally led me back to wisdom and truth that I feel like I have always known. It was just sort of a, um, a remembrance that happened over quite a few years. And a couple years ago, I just decided I need to start sharing this with the world um, because these things need to be heard. And I think people need to hear and see and feel that they're not alone in their search for themselves. Because ultimately I think all we are doing is like when we see someone else and we think that they have answers, we're just seeing a part of ourselves in them that's being reflected back to us and we're attracted to it. So we want to kind of like find the answer from that person, but really all it is we're looking for that part of ourselves. It's Mm -hmm. like a recognition, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that you are pointing this out. It's, um, so if like the people who come to work with you one-on-one, I'm sure you've had this experience as well of having people be like, I want to work with you because, you know, Annabelle, from what I can tell so far, you're very soft, you're very intuitive, you're very, um, empathic, most likely. I can mm. feel that energy from you. Yeah. And so I bet the people that come to you are like, you're really soft, you're really feminine, you're really mm. intuitive. I want that. And what's really happening is they have all that very strong within themselves, but they're oh. looking for permission to have that in their lives. But what they're not realizing is that they have that in their lives. That's yeah. them. But they yeah. see it in you and they're like, you're my answer. You're my key because you have yeah. these like five traits that I really, really, really love and want. And then as coaches, it's, it's our job to like be the, be the, the portal, I suppose you could say for highlighting these qualities people really want. And yeah, helping them get back in touch with it, but also helping them realize that there's a reason why you were attracted to to me as a coach or to you as a coach. It's because you have these qualities within you. Let's just highlight them and let's help mm. you give yourself permission to finally step into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I, the first things I say to people on consultation calls is like, look, I'm not here to save you. I'm not your salvation. I'm not here to fix you because you're not broken. You, you recognize something in me and yeah, maybe we're meant to work together, but I'm not, I'm not going to fix you. <laughs> I just, I don't believe that that's my job. Um, because it isn't, it, it really isn't. I've, I've worked with people who have chosen to save themselves. And I believe that all really coaches do like when people ask me like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a life coach. They're like, Oh, what does that even mean? <laughs> uh, one of the ways I like to describe it is that really all I'm doing is acting like a still pond and people can walk up to that pond and look and see themselves. Mm. And all I'm really doing is reflecting back whatever it is that's in their current experience. And then when they have this really clear, honest um, vision about 
where they are, what it is that they're doing, then they can get clear on where it is that they want to go. And when we're honest and clear about where it is that we are, then we have the freedom of choice and we can be like, okay, so this is where you actually are. Do you want to stay here? Do you want to go somewhere else? But that choice isn't up to the mentor, the guide, the teacher, the coach, whoever to make. It's up to the person, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can't fix or save or change anyone. I can only give people the, the clarity and permission really Mm -hmm. to change themselves. Because often that's all really people are looking for. They're just looking for permission. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to have someone to give that to you. A lot of us are, um, I think we often have these sort of wounds where we needed permission from someone in our life, whether it was a parent or a partner or a friend or a sibling or whoever, who didn't give it to us. Like we kind of didn't get the sort of, um, like validation that we needed. So we have this wound and then a mentor or a coach or someone can kind of step in and, and fill that role in a way at a moment where we can't fill that role for ourselves and help us get back to a place where then we actually don't really need permission anymore. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, this is so spot on. That's one of the most amazing things about having any kind of guide, healer, coach, anyone in your life, mm-hmm. best friend, mentor, mm-hmm. um, yeah. someone that can, you know, there's nothing wrong with having space held for you and having your experiences validated. And even mm-hmm. today, I need that. There are still things in my life I never received validation about. And so I've shoved them totally. away. Yeah, you know? It's easy yeah. to shove them away because if you don't receive that validation as a child, you believe those people that you thought were gods, basically your parents, mm-hmm. you thought they were the all knowing. And so if they didn't validate this, well, then you don't even question it, right? You just kind of mm-hmm. put it away and you don't look at it again until you get older. And then you're like, whoa, I have this subconscious belief that I need to take care of all men that I date or, whoa, yeah. I don't know how to receive love. I don't know how to receive compliments or attention or whoa, I feel like everything is automatically my fault at all times. And having someone validate your experience to say, yeah, that thing you experienced as a child was actually kind of messed up. And that's not Mm -hmm. the way it has to be. And that's probably subconsciously running a few things in your life. Let's look at that. That's there's There's something really powerful about that. And then once you can uncover that and you have space held, you, like you just said, moving forward, you can then learn how to be that voice for yourself and give yourself permission. And sure, mm-hmm. other things will pop up along the way that, again, you need to go back to having someone else hold space, get mm-hmm. validated. Then you move on and you validate it yourself. And it's this beautiful cycle. It's called the cha-cha, right? It's moving forward. It's yeah. moving back. It's moving forward. It's a dance. Yeah. And the best thing we can do is, is not judge it, not judge this process of needing permission from ourselves, needing maybe even desiring permission from others and having those instances be like divine intervention, you know, having people come into our life to hold space for us in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think we're just these sort of like layered creatures where it's like, we'll, we'll pull up something and we'll realize we need support. 
and then we'll build up the strength to go off on our own and then we'll realize that we need support for something else again when something else mm-hmm. was kind of dug up yeah. and I think a lot of people get into this point where they think like oh I'm gonna go work with this mentor for three months or six months or whatever and then I'm never gonna need support again I'm gonna have it all figured out and like yada 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 um but really it's kind of like as soon as you think you've you have it all figured out like I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. You can go for it. Okay. Yeah. As soon as you figure it out, as soon as you think you have it figured out, you're fucked. (laughs) It's just true. Mm -hmm. As soon as I think like, Oh yeah, I got this. I'm like, I don't need support from anyone. Mm -hmm. Like who needs coaches? Like as soon as I ever get into that mindset, something happens, something triggers me. And I'm like, Oh shit. Can I tell you a story of something kind of funny? I like, I like, so know what you're talking about. Cause I, so (laughs) I don't know if you've like, you, you've gotten into flows where you feel like you have all your shit figured out and you're like, I got this. This is good. I call it cruise control. You're on cruise control. Yeah, you're yeah. gliding. And, and then something big like comes up and just totally blows your mind. You're like a ship and all of a sudden you're like crashing in the waves and it <laughs> compounds and it builds and you go into this shell for like a week of just being by yourself and crying and healing and meditating. Well, that's how I handle it at least. I think that's a healthy yeah. way to handle oh, yeah. it, but still it's intense. And then. Mm-hmm. So recently I had this experience where something big popped up in my life. I went into a dark, maddening hole um, and just went like so good, so needed, so healthy and necessary, sought out help, sought out lots of help. And then I like had this moment where someone said during this time we were having a conversation and they said something like, I can't really feel like your energy right now. Like you feel very closed. And I was so overwhelmed with all the other things I was working on about myself. And then that something about that light comment was like the last straw where I just flipped my shit. And I was just like, I'm not closed. I'm enough. I was like, like, don't tell me that I'm closed. I'm very open right now. Like crying and taking it so seriously because I was exhausted of thinking of like, here I am thinking I'm so whole, so worthy, so this and that. And I've got all my worthiness wounds healed and I'm on the right track. Something big happens and then I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And then these little things pop up and I, I just like couldn't handle it. And it was all good. Yeah. Like It's totally fine to have these experiences. And I think it's good for people listening to this podcast to know that it doesn't matter if you're hopping on Instagram and you're expressing your life and showing up as vulnerable and like strong at the same time there are still moments like that where you're crying on your couch just saying to someone else stop telling me that I'm close like it happens and it's normal and it's it's okay okay. yeah it's okay to feel unworthy Mm -hmm. it's okay like it's it's not I mean I don't know if it'll ever if it'll ever really end, like all we're really doing is digging up all the ways in which we block our own light. And all we're doing is like going more and more. Well, I don't, not everyone's doing this, but like me personally, mm-hmm. <laughs> all I'm doing is like going more and more into my shadow. And the more and more I go into my shadow, the more I embody my light. And yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of this, I mean, it's this never ending process. Um, I can't remember if I read this or heard this or someone said this to me, but 
uh, it's the idea of the mastery is in coming back. It's not in being there all the time. Um, so, I mean, even if you think about like Buddhist monks, they don't reach enlightenment once and then stop meditating. (laughs) They're meditating all day, every day. Uh, the mastery isn't in just like hitting this point where we feel so worthy and so, um, so sure of ourselves and so free and so wonderful. And then we stay there forever. Like the mastery comes in going to these dark places and feeling horrible about ourselves or having these demons come out or having this ugliness come out and feeling it and then coming back to the light. Like the master is in that process of coming back. Can you share what some of the dark shadow sides of yourself are that you're uncovering? Like if we want to get Mm -hmm. super vulnerable here, I'm really interested in some of these layers that you are, are coming to accept and embrace. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. Um, What's the one you don't want to share on this podcast? The one I don't want to share on this podcast. The one I'm kind of sitting with right now in this period of my life is the story I've created around my capacity to love and my ability to love a partner. Like I'm specifically talking about romantic relationships here, not just like my love for friends and family and everyone. Um, the, the story I've told that I love too much. And because of that, no one will be able to handle it. And I will always end up alone because I love people so much that it'll always get to a point where they sort of drown and say, this is too much. I can't handle that. Um, and this is a pattern for me. This is a pattern. Like all of my recent relationships have ended not because of an issue within the relationship, but because of the other person literally saying like, you're amazing, you're wonderful, but this is too much for me. Like we hit some sort of wall that I'm willing to cross over and the other person isn't willing to. And like my heart is almost like a distraction. So I have this this weird belief about um, loving too much and it being almost like too too much for people to handle, Um, which has been something I've really had to sit with over the past few months. It's been, it's really, um, it's really interesting and fascinating when you kind of think about like, you think you've sort of reached the point of dealing with someone. It's kind of like almost like whack-a-mole where you think like, oh, I've dealt with this before, I've seen this before, Um, I'm done with it, and then it kind of pops up again. Like, I thought I kind of dealt with this side of myself years ago, 
but it popped up again in my life in the past couple of months. And I was like, oh, this is still something that runs me. This is still a pattern that um, is really deep in my heart. And it's something that I have to sit with. It's something that I have to process. Why I, why I believe that um, my love is sort of limitless, but the love that I'm going to receive always has a limit. Mm. Wow, that's deep. Thank you for sharing that. Can you give an example of a way that your love is so, so much, right? Like what are some mm. of the behaviors you, you have done that's showing up as love in your relationships that your partner at the time or partners have said, no, like this is just too much for me. Is it like always being there for them mm. or not, you know, not speaking up be out of fear of what they might think? What are those patterns for you? Yeah. Um, it's changed over time a little bit. I mean, obviously like my, my patterns and my habits in relationships a couple years ago are totally different than my, my habits in relationships now. Um, but one thing that's kind of always been true is like getting to a point in a relationship where there's a, where there's a conflict or, or a period of tension. And I've felt willing to sort of bend or, or, change my shape in any way possible to make the other person comfortable where as for them it's sort of been like I don't need you to change I just can't I just can't deal with this this roadblock or this tension like if we if we meet some sort of some sort of wall or there's um there's some sort of issue it's like I'm willing to to do or be anything in those moments to make the other person more comfortable mm. with whatever it is that we're we're meeting putting um, them first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. just putting them first and I have always attracted partners who ultimately are always going to put themselves first. Mm -hmm. um, but what this has taught me is that there needs to be a a really strong sense of sovereignty before there is a strong sense of unity. So I need to be really firm with my needs and my boundaries before I am so worried about what it is that my partner needs. And it's really taught me, I mean, it's taught me sovereignty. It's still something I'm sort of dealing with and working with. And like, where is the line of being willing to compromise and, and giving up all of my needs? It's something that I've kind of danced with. Mm -hmm. um, because relationships are so important to me. They are, I feel like everyone sort of has a different relationship with relationships. <laughs> But for me, they're kind of, um, they're, they're everything. I think it's, um, on my personal hierarchy of needs, like I, I need, I need love and I need connection and I need intimacy, um, more so than 
a lot of the people that I attract. But there really is something for me to learn in that. And in the past couple of years, I've been asking myself these questions of like, okay, if I'm, if I really have this pattern, what's here? What's the invitation? Yeah. What's here for me to dig up in myself? Um, because I think, I mean, we're only really triggered by things if we, if we believe them to be true. So if my partner's triggering something in me, it's because part of me really believes that about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is some beautiful, beautiful insight. Thank you. Like really, really good. I love this sovereignty before unity. I might even yeah. have to name this podcast that because that was like, yeah. that is such a beautiful thing um, to, to that's really ponder. That's been my like 2018. Yeah, wow. that's been my like 2018 mantra. And for anyone that doesn't know, because this was, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, this was me a, a few months ago. I didn't understand what sovereignty meant. What does sovereignty mean? Mm-hmm. Sovereignty is like, um, well, to me, sovereignty is is your ability to stand alone but not in a way of like because I think there's a fine line between being able to stand alone and feeling like I don't need anyone and like pushing people away you know what I mean Um, sovereignty is your ability to really meet all of your own needs while still being open to leaning on someone else Mm-hmm. So it's like how I think about it in relationship is like being two peas in a pod. So you're kind of like in this pod that's shared, but you're still two peas. <laughs> so you're still like these two separate sovereign individuals, but you're sharing this pod, which is the unity. Oh, I like that. <laughs> that's adorable. Yeah. That's really cute. Um, yeah. That's yeah. what sovereign is to me at least. And so I want to add something. I want to just contribute to what you were saying earlier about how um, you were looking at what is this able to teach me. And to add to what you're saying, another perspective, I, I very much relate with what you're saying. I read the book Attached. I've talked about it so many times. Oh, yeah. I thought, I was like, I bet she's read that. She's learned something <laughs> from that. That book changed my life. Mine Honestly, too. that book changed my relationship life. I remember mm-hmm. I was like, the entire time I was reading that book, I was like, oh, but my situation's so unique and like they can't possibly understand and blah, blah, blah. And then the next paragraph, it would like say the very thing I went through. Exactly. Right. I know. We're all, we're all just like, no, I'm the special snowflake. I'm the special snowflake. And this book is like, no, you are absolutely like the role. Not a special snowflake. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so what I realized in these relationships, I, whenever I was reading Attached, I was with a person who was um, very secretive. I mean, he had a he had three mm. children. I didn't even know about for a year. We were together. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was devastating. It was like the biggest trust breaking experience of relationships I've had. Got this book, learned. Actually, I got the book, and then I found out about all that. So then I got to like mm. <laughs> read it again and go to that next layer. But yeah, I realized the same thing you were saying of. I have so much love to give. Um, I know how to put others before me, not necessarily saying that's what you should do. But I looked at that at the mm-hmm. time of like, 
I put others before me. Why mm-hmm. don't others do that for me? And mm-hmm. I had this coach back then who was like listening and holding space for me. And, and I told her this story and she, she told me about a story of her life and how she always had one foot in and one foot out. And she didn't realize it. All she saw is that the people she were date, she was dating had one foot in one foot out until she really looked at her patterns. And then mm-hmm. she transferred it over to my story and, and helped me realize that I was finding avoidant people uh, avoiding yeah. attachment style people because I was an anxious attacher. And what was yep. really happening on that deeper level to break it down is that I found people who abandoned because I consistently abandoned myself, my mm. opinions, my thoughts, my needs. The minute I was dating someone that was really adorable and tall and muscular and all these things I thought I wanted, um, I would and say they didn't like my opinions. Okay, no, no, no worries. I'll just put my opinions away. Or Mm. say they expected something else. Okay, no worries. I'll just put that away. So I kept abandoning myself in, in hopes of being with these people, but I was packaging it up in my head as this is love. Like I am putting away my needs because I love you so much. And that's martyrdom. That's people pleasing. That's like Mm -hmm. totally giving in to this avoidant anxious attachment system without paying any attention to it until I finally realized like, Oh my God, I'm with these abandoner avoidant type people because I am an avoidant abandoner. Like in my, in my relationship yeah, with myself. Your own story. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to add that of like these, these different perspectives, but it's, it's very power, powerful what you're sharing about the sovereignty before unity is mm. really being in your personal power. And I think this is a huge key to no longer attracting avoidant abandonment type people if Definitely. you learn how to not avoid and abandon yourself when you enter these relationships. Definitely. Yeah. And it's so important to look in, um, like, if something is happening in your relationship if you think it's the other person's fault, it's like it takes two to tango. Like, what did you do mm-hmm. that caused this? Because we do a lot of subconscious, sneaky shit. Yeah. <laughs> we bring mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to the table in relationships where, um, I mean, it gets so easy to blame the other person if the other person seems on an external level, like in the wrong Um I mean, a really kind of sort of obvious one that tends to trigger a lot of people is like cheating. If the other person cheated, we kind of have to go into a space of, I mean, obviously there are lots of different situations and sometimes the person person's just like a pathological liar and um, it, it really wasn't anything that we created. But like, did we create a space of safety for our partner did we allow them to express all of their needs like how just asking ourselves like how did we create the one side of the tension in the relationship like I was listening to do you know Esther Perel no I don't think so Oh man. Oh, <laughs> you're going to go down a great rabbit hole now. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> she wrote, um, mating in captivity Ooh. and her recent book was the state of affairs. And she just talks about, she's an amazing podcast where she does like, it's like 45 minutes of a one-off 
couple counseling session and it's oh. like this is my favorite thing i'm so listen. excited of listening to couple therapy yay, 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 yay. it's like so good oh you're gonna love it she also has a really great interview on uh, tim ferris's podcast oh, from so a couple perfect. years back okay that yeah. will be the first i listened to yeah <laughs> yeah but i was listening to a podcast of hers yesterday and she was um counseling this couple and they kind of had this sort of like parent-child dynamic and she said she was kind of telling the the one partner like you're really acting like a parent and you're really scolding your partner and then the the other partner was like getting all excited and being like yeah 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 like (laughs) yeah like you tell her (laughs) she was like well you realize if there's if there's a parent there's also a child (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's kind of I thought this was really brilliant because it's kind of like taking ownership for what it is that we're bringing into the relationship and how are we creating this and how are we attracting this and how are we um, creating the space for our partner to do whatever it is that they have done that kind of broke our trust or upset us or created tension or whatever. Like what's our side of it? What are we bringing into that pod? Um, and going back to the sovereignty thing, like I, a really crucial thing for me in relationships is that I have to be with someone who is at least willing to do the work on themselves. Yeah. It's just, it's not, um, being in a relationship is so, challenging and beautiful and all of these amazing polarities because it's it's such a strong mirror because there are way less boundaries than there are in other relationships in our lives um so we get this really strong mirror of whatever it is that we're bringing to the table so to be willing in your sovereignty to do the work on yourself and ask yourself like how am I wounded? How am I bringing those wounds into relationships? Like, what are my patterns? What are my habits? And like, we don't have to have it all figured out, but at least be willing to like ask those questions. Like there needs to be that, um, that curiosity of what am I bringing to the table? If we are to be really sovereign and create safety in the unity. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And I, I feel it's so important for people to share this with their partner or keep this in mind if they're single for this future partnership. Um, it always comes back to me, at least recently, I've really been returning to this theme of voice. Mm. And I think that if we're looking at a traditional partnership here or, or just, I guess any partnership, but that masculine energy, the masculine Mm -hmm. energy I find is really what allows that um, feminine voice to feel safe because as Mm -hmm. we're healing our relationship with our voices. And when I say that, I just mean simply speaking up and asking questions and to feel safe, to look at your own shit, the stuff you're Mm -hmm. doing in this, to, to this problem um, yeah. I think the, you know, the two different sides many women act out on are either frustration, like explosion, bottled up because it's been bottled up. So it's like, bah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. it doesn't come out clear and concise. And the yeah. other one is 
feeling repressed and using tactics of manipulation to get what you want because you have no idea how to use your voice. And then the yeah. middle, the in-between where we want to be is being able to come into a conversation and say, hey, let's talk about this. I'm, I'm feeling this way because of what you're doing. And I'd also like to hear what is it that I'm doing that you think I'm contributing to this. Like that mm -hmm. is a really beautiful way to come about taking responsibility for whatever mm -hmm. issue you're having in your partnership and also expressing your feelings by using your voice and your partner, mm -hmm. that masculine energy is what creates the safe space for that to happen. The container energetically men can really hold this container or they can absolutely demolish it and destroy it. They can, mm -hmm. you know, we can belittle as well, but I think that, um, men, have a little bit more work to do here in this arena of creating this safe space because mm -hmm. they're, they're so used to like being the head honcho or the leader or being right. You yeah. know? And same for women. I'm not saying it's just only men, but I, I've been with partners who have completely dismissed my needs. And I've been with partners who held so much space and just looked yeah. at me and held eye contact when I shared my fears, didn't interrupt me. That's huge. Um, sat down, oh, were face to face, like nipples to nipples, like totally head on with each other. And I'm not saying that it's the man's job to do this, but I'm saying that he can help a lot make progress in this area by taking mm -hmm. some responsibility as we take as women responsibility for speaking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you show up really empowered in your feminine you also give men to show up really empowered in the masculine yeah but if we show up in this place of like feeling kind of confused or not knowing if we're allowed to find power in what we bring to the space as women it can kind of get um it can get a bit confusing and that's when when men have trouble like if men are the container sort of like space holders, women are the space, mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. like we have to show up in that space in order for men to be like, Oh, I'm going to hold this container. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I once dated someone a few years ago. This is actually when I read the attached book and <laughs> he was like secure completely. It was like so mind blowing to me. I didn't even like understand how to interact with him at first. Um, but one thing he would always say to me is like, Annabelle, we're on the same team. Whenever we get into an argument, it's just like we're on the same team. And just that recognition of like an argument or a trigger or a conflict doesn't have to be me versus you. Right. It can be us versus this thing that we're going through. Mm -hmm. And this idea of approaching it from being on the same team has really changed a lot for me because then I show up as a teammate rather than like an opponent. Yeah. I don't think we've learned, like, I don't know about everyone, but as a whole, I don't think too many of us have learned that from our parents. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like this is really a job for our generation or for people who are in yeah. this, this personal development work and who are, learning about communication skills. Mm -hmm. Don't think that you can't learn this because you didn't have that example growing up. Most of us didn't. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a 
path that you and your partner can take together to learn how to be on this together team. I like the idea of having the problem be its own entity. Like this like swirly twirly little ball of energy over here. Like how do we deal with this little ball of energy? Me and you, (laughs) like we're on the same team. What do we do with this thing in front of us? It like really changes. It reframes that. Totally changes it. The arguments. Yeah. I love it. Oh, wow. So much good stuff. So I want to head on over to the divine deep dive round. But before we do that, where can my audience connect with you online? Um, You can connect with me primarily on Instagram. I don't really use my Facebook page because I don't really like Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) But my Instagram is just my name. It's Annabelle Blythe. Um, All the letters a-N-N-A-B-E-L-L-E-B-L-Y-T-H-E. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and I share writing and poetry and rants and all of the things on there. Beautiful. I will have the link to that on the show notes to this episode. Wonderful. Okay. What is one must-read book for everyone? Mm, attached. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that book uh, totally changed my perspective on relationships. I think it should be required reading for all adults. (laughs) Do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? I do not. My morning routine is no routine. Um, Yeah, they never really worked for me. My only sort of routine is not looking at my phone for the first half hour. Oh, that's perfect. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and asking myself what I need that morning oh, and doing I love it. it. <laughs> what is your favorite meal right now? I am in Costa Rica, so my favorite meal is gallo pinto, which is the rice and beans. <laughs> so if good. love tasted like a flavor, what would it be and why? Mm, passion fruit. Hmm. Because it is kind of sweet and sour mm-hmm. and surprising and delicious <laughs> it's all the dualities <laughs> what's your favorite and- form of movement dance who would you cast to play the role of you in a movie about your life oh my god i don't know I'm really bad with like actors and actresses' names. I want actually, you know what? I want Meryl Streep to play me. <laughs> <laughs> Meryl Streep to just play like uh, a version of me. I, I want would, her to live. Oh, I'm so entertained. Her. I'm so entertained right now just thinking about that. <laughs> um, what three items would you want to take if you were stranded on an island? Uh, my journal. A hydro flask, <laughs> insulated water bottle. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with them. And um, some sort of music player. Hmm. What's your spirit animal? A jaguar. That's sexy. Jaguars are so sexy. 
Um, what's your favorite place to think? Or where, sorry. Where is your favorite place to think? In the shower. Yeah. Describe your relationship to coffee. <sighs> Love, hate. <laughs> <laughs> and last question. What is one social norm you think is ridiculous? That we have to show up in different contexts wearing different masks. Mm, that's good. <laughs> that is a good answer. I love it. You you passed. You passed. Good oh, job. <laughs> oh, Annabelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so much fun and your your way of speaking is like I was saying earlier, it's very soothing, it's very soft, it's also very direct and like passionate. So I just I've loved listening to you speak. You speak like you write. So thank you mm-hmm. for so that. Nice to hear. Thank you for saying that. Welcome. Yay. 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 <laughs> okay, everyone, head on over to maddiemoon.com slash Annabelle Blythe to click on all of the links that we mentioned in this episode, as well as the link to follow her on Instagram. And like I said, I'm currently in Israel, so if my response time is a little bit slower, that's why I hope you love this episode, and I would still love to hear your thoughts on it. So please comment on the show notes for it, or go on over to Instagram and comment on the photo for this episode 202, and I will speak to you guys very soon. 